Matt Schaff and Jared Smola of DraftSharks.com here to preview week 15 of the fantasy football season. Jared, that means the beginning of the playoffs for many leagues and best ball contests that can alter your thinking and lineup decisions some. Like you should make some different decisions now than you would have four weeks ago. But it can also make a lot of fantasy managers overthink things more than they would in other weeks because it's one and done time now. So you've got to win every matchup doesn't necessarily mean you should play differently than what got you here, but there are some different things to factor in. We're going to hit on some of those key topics and player decisions for this week coming up. Before we get into it, though, remember the team intel page on DraftSharks.com is specifically designed to help you with stuff like this week, to give you the best weekly start-sit advice. It features our weekly projections, shows consensus projections from around the industry if you just want to see how our numbers compare to others. It includes ceiling projections that are factored in to include upside when you're making those lineup decisions because we don't just want to you know, compare all the median projections. We want to think about who can smash this week and really carry our team. And it knows your scoring system, most importantly. If you're asking me who you should start, I have questions about what your scoring system is. If you ask the Team Intel page, it already knows because you synced it to your league. It knows exactly what your scoring is, and it's applying our projections to that scoring. So, like I said, we're going to talk about specific players, specific decisions. And, Jared, I think an interesting place to start this week is Devontae Adams because – I encountered kind of both ends of the Devontae Adams spectrum early this week. We had one customer in the Draft Sharks Discord. This is verbatim what he said. Do I keep starting Devontae Adams and keep being sad, or should I bench him for <laughs> Odell Beckham? Adams is killing me starting him every week. And then we did our rankings meeting like we do every Tuesday afternoon to kind of get things set. And we had him low in wide receiver two territory. And, you know, one of the guys on the call was like, well, Adams has to come up, right? So to me, the answer on Adams is somewhere between those two things. What do you, what's your take on Adams, whether it's reaction to either of those or what you're doing with him this week and the next two? I think it's if you've been starting Adams, you probably think he's been worse than he actually is. And if you haven't, if you're kind of an innocent bystander, you don't own the guy, you probably think he deserves to be higher in the rankings. I think that's what's going on here. I mean, if we look at... The actual numbers, Adams hasn't been killing you. I think that's overstating it. If we look at the last five games with Aiden O'Connell, Devontae Adams is 24th among wide receivers in PPR points per game. His weekly finishes are wide receiver 46. So, you know, that, that one killed you. But then wide receiver 22, wide receiver 8, wide receiver 32, wide receiver 30. So he definitely hasn't been exciting. He hasn't been killing you either. He is, Adams is 13th in expected PPR points per game over the last five. He's averaging 10 targets per game. 5.8 catches, 66 receiving yards. Those are fine numbers. He's only scored once. That's kind of, you know, capping the ceiling. But to me, like, he's not he's not a guy you're excited to play. But I think in, in most cases, you're sticking with him because that volume has remained strong. And because this week in particular, he gets the Chargers, who are 27th in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. Adams played the Chargers with Aiden O'Connell back in week four. Caught eight passes for 75 yards on 13 targets. Again, yeah, that's kind of what he is at this point. He's a you know floor-ish wide receiver two play. If you're expecting him to score like historical Devontae Adams, then he's emotionally killing you. But like you just laid out, points-wise, he, he's simply not killing you. If his name was anything else, you'd be like, yeah, this guy's fine for me. This is not an issue spot. So if you need him to score like a round one pick or early round two pick at this point in the season, it's kind of on you for how you've run your roster to this point. That's just not what Devontae Adams is right now, but he is a 
decent low end wide receiver too. That's where he sits in our rankings. Now, the other hand is you need to forget the name for judging his performance, but you also need to forget the name for deciding whether you need to start Devonte Adams this week. The other thought at this stage in the season, even stronger at this stage than in other regular season weeks is you've got to start your studs. You don't want to lose by sitting your studs. Well, Devonte Adams isn't killing you, but he's also not been a stud for you. So he is definitely not a must start in your fantasy playoffs, even though he's Devonte Adams. It doesn't mean he won't have a huge game against the Chargers. It doesn't mean he won't have a huge game next week or week 17 and make you regret it if you sit him for somebody else that looks better. But you got to treat him like a wide receiver too. You can't treat yep. him like Devontae Adams when you're making that decision. For sure. Definitely not a must start. I, you know, for that specific question, I would start Devontae Adams over Odell Beckham. And I like Odell Beckham this week. We'll talk about him a bit later, but again, 10 targets per game for Devontae Adams in a plus matchup tonight. I need to be loaded at wide receiver to, to you know, sit him. I'm not going to um, sit him for, for someone like OBJ. Yeah, since week nine, which was when Aiden O'Connell took over for good, we've got Devontae Adams at wide receiver 16 in expected PPR points per game. Odell Beckham is 36th in expected PPR points per game over that same span. Now, Odell Beckham has outscored him, tied for wide receiver 22 in that time versus tied for wide receiver 34 for Adams. But you mentioned the difference. It's touchdowns. Beckham has three. Adams has one. Um, If you look at week 10 on, which was O'Connell's second start, and when Adams's targets picked up, he's wide receiver 23 in PPR points per game over that span. Odell Beckham's wide receiver 29. So like, that's how close it is. We're getting more usage for Adams. If he gets a little luckier on touchdowns, great. He's not set up well for touchdown luck because he's got Aiden O'Connell as his quarterback, but he's still a decent wide receiver too. And I also have some notes on Odell Beckham later in the show. So we'll we'll talk specifically about him. Next up is quarterbacks. And it's several guys that I don't think any of us would have thought about at all heading into the season, especially because one of them wasn't even on a roster at that point. But They're guys that I've gotten questions about this week, not only in terms of should I pick up this guy to be insurance, but should I consider starting him this week? So Jared, Joe Flacco, Jake Browning, Nick Mullins, any one of those guys, a player that you are willing to start in week 15? None are a player I would want to start in a one quarterback lead. I think if you're talking two quarterback super flex, they're all fine. I actually think it's a good streaming week, and it, it depends on how deep your, your league goes roster-wise. But I think you know Matt Stafford, Jordan Love, Russell Wilson are all like really nice quarterback one spot setters. Now, I know some leagues, those guys aren't available. And if you're desperate, you might have to you know dip into this next pool of guys. Among, among those three, among Flacco, Browning, and Mullins, Browning would be my favorite play this week. Um, you know, his bangles are implied for the most amount of points among these three at 21.75. Browning's playing well. I don't want to take that away from him. He's 13th in PFF passing grade over the last three weeks. I do think he's just running hot though. Um, you know, he has a 76 yard touchdown to Jamar Chase. He has a 54 yard touchdown to Chase Brown last week on a screen pass. Browning has two rushing scores over the last three games. So I do think his fantasy production has been inflated. And this is a pretty tough matchup against the the Vikings. Minnesota has been playing really well on defense lately. They are actually fifth in pass defense DVOA over the last five weeks now. So again, Browning would be a desperation one quarterback start to me. You know, someone who's fine in, uh, you know, two quarterback super flex leagues. Yeah, Jake Browning has been legitimately good over the past two weeks. 75.5% completions, top of the league in EPA per play. It's expected points added. Terrific PFF passing grades. He actually leads the league in that category over the past two weeks. 
it is still just two games. So that could easily change this week. You mentioned the defense he's facing is tough. Minnesota especially blitzes quite a bit. So that can give an inexperienced quarterback fit. So starting Jake Browning this week might work. It also might not. So I, I wouldn't go out of my way to start him over somebody that's been more reliable. Like I'm Jake Browning might well outscore Patrick Mahomes this week. I'm not going to start Jake Browning over Patrick Mahomes in my week 15 lineup. Yeah, Browning's averaging 9.8 yards per attempt over the past three weeks. He has a 4.5 yard average depth of throw. So that's just kind of, again, he's running hot with this yards after the catch stuff. And yeah, you can you know get some of that when you have Jamar Chase on your team and Chase Brown's been explosive, but it's, just, it's, it's tough to count on that going forward. Joe Flacco has gotten there primarily on passing volume, 89 pass attempts over his two weeks as starter. That leads the league. His passing grade, 25th among quarterbacks with 10 plus attempts over that span. He's got negative EPA per play. So he's still Joe Flacco. Don't let the you know end results mask that. That said, you can get there in fantasy just on volume without playing well. Yeah. So it doesn't mean forget about Joe Flacco. Just make sure you don't overrate him versus what else you're considering starting this week. Yeah, it's also tough for me to count on that volume, right? Like, you know, the Browns have kind of skewed pass heavy over the last week. Which, by the way, what is it with Flacco? Remember, he started those first few games with the Jets last year and it was thrown like 50 times a game too. So something about Flacco when he gets in there, these teams just let him chuck it. But I mean, you know, last week's game against the Jags, we've talked about them as a pass funnel defense all season. Teams do skew towards the pass against the Jags. The Bears have been good against the run for most of the season. They've been really good against the pass lately. They are second in pass defense DVOA over the last five weeks now. They were 29th over the first nine weeks of the season. So much improved pass defense. I think this Browns-Bears game is going to be pretty ugly, pretty low scoring. So I'm I, I'm not very interested in, in Flacco this week again outside of Superflex leagues. I agree. I would not reach for Joe Flacco. And Nick Mullins, to me, is not even really a consideration. He has 13 pass attempts this year. He had 25 yeah. for last year's Vikings um, and completed 21 of those. So he looks efficient if you go by that. But that was spread over four games. The guy's got one NFL start since 20. 2020. I mean, if you're throwing that player into your lineup this week, then you're clearly desperate. Um, does have the best matchup of these three players against Cincinnati. Right. But, you know, again, it's somebody that has one start in the past, what, four years. Um, and the Vikings are applied for the fewest points among these three teams, Bengals, Browns, Vikings. So not a move that you should be making. I think that Bears defense is worth noting because that pushes into our next topic, our next quarterback, Jared Goff, who is coming off a bad week 14. And the question is, do I need to worry about Jared Goff, who just put his maybe his worst game of the season up in week 14? So, Jared, are you worried about Jared Goff? Is that the kind of player that I should be considering Jake Browning, Joe Flacco over? They're close. Like, I would probably stick with Goff over that trio we just talked about, but I think it's close. I do not like Goff. You know, he's outside our top 12 this week, so not a guy I'd be looking or wanting to start in one quarterback leagues. Goff was not good. Last week, he was not good against the Bears a few weeks before that. The game in between, he wasn't great either. The uh, Saints game, he started off hot, but then kind of did nothing in the second half. So it's been a rough stretch for Goff. I'm worried, too, because the, these matchups, I mean, this this Denver matchup two months ago looked awesome. Now it doesn't look awesome at all. Denver is fourth in pass defense DVOA over the past five weeks. They are still 30th in run defense DVOA 
over the past five weeks. So right now, Denver looks like, you know, the biggest run funnel defense in the NFL. And we know the Lions are still, you know, near the bottom of the league and pass rate over expected. It's still a team that, you know, wants to run the ball when they can. And this is definitely a matchup. They can do that. So I, I don't think you're going to get big volume out of golf this uh, weekend or on Saturday night. And I, I don't think he's going to be particularly efficient because, again, this Broncos pass defense has been really good for a while now. I think this is an OK spot to start Jake Browning over Jared Goff. I also think it's OK to stick with Jared Goff in this spot. Broncos are still 20th and past DVOA for the season. So I know they've run hotter lately, um, but still not necessarily a shutdown defense for the season. And, you know, golf's been good overall. He did have four straight games of two touchdown passes before that Chicago game. He has five interceptions over the past five games. All of those came against the Bears, and those were his only two multiple INT games of the season. So he's had trouble with the Bears, has been fine overall, and the Bears have been playing better lately. So I think if you're really worried about Jared Goff, the the two key factors that might be at play are recency bias of that bad outing being the last time we saw him and just not realizing that the Bears are playing better because they did look like a pushover on defense for a while. That's just not been the case over like the past month. Yeah, I I guess my concern with Goff the rest of the way, too, is the schedule even beyond Denver. He gets Minnesota, who we just said is fifth in pass defense DVOA over the last uh, five weeks. And then Dallas in week 17, who is eighth in pass defense DVOA over the last five weeks. Now, the good news with Goff, all those games are indoors. He's home this week, and then he's at Minnesota, at Dallas. You know, those games, you don't have to worry about weather with Goff, which we're going to have to worry about weather with a lot of these other quarterbacks. So I think that's what keeps Goff in play, but um, the schedule is not going to help him. If you're uncomfortable with Goff this week, like I said, I think Browning's okay over him this week. It's the same kind of issue for him. So I would probably play Goff there. Joe Flacco can pair with Jared Goff, though. I would play Goff over Flacco this week, but then Flacco's at Houston next week in week 16 when Goff has the Vikings. And then that Dallas matchup is another one of those that looks tough, but Dallas really actually hasn't been a killer on quarterback numbers. I know Jalen Hurts didn't score a lot last time out, but if you look back over other recent performances, the Cowboys just haven't killed um, quarterback numbers the way that you might think when you look at the overall matchup number. Yeah, Yeah, Cowboys are 11th in our adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks metric. Vikings are 12th, so... You know, again, not, not awesome matchups for golf, but yeah, they're not, they're not like avoids. And again, both those games, the Cowboys game obviously could you know turn into a shootout, um, which, which obviously helps check the free agent finder to see if any of these QBs fits your team to see if it makes sense to pick up somebody else to go with your guy. You can check either by the weekly numbers. You can check by the matchups for the week ahead, or you can check by the rest of season outlook, which cer- certainly factors in the upcoming matchups for those players, especially at quarterback and on team defense, which we'll get to in a few minutes. Running back, Jared, there might be people dealing with injuries right now. There might just be people who have been trying to piece this together all season while being stronger at other positions. So any surprise fill-in running backs to use? I think two names that jump immediately to mind are Ty Chandler and Antonio Gibson. What do you think about those two guys this week? Yeah, they are both sitting in like lower-end RB2 territory in our PPR rankings, at least. Alexander Madison... He has an ankle injury. I've heard, you know, some of the Twitter doctors we follow just based on the video think it's a high ankle sprain. So if that's the case, you know, we're probably missing Madison for the rest of the season, at least the rest of the fantasy season. So Ty Chandler is an excellent pickup for this weekend beyond. I think the concern for Chandler for me is that Minnesota's run game has just been ineffective all season. The Vikings are 27th in yards per attempt, yards per rush attempt as a team. Chandler is at 4.1 yards per carry for the season, which is better than Alexander Madison or Cam Akers uh, has managed. So he's been their most effective runner so far. He has eight 
eight catches on nine targets over the last three games. And I do think, you know, he'll be involved enough in the passing game on Saturday. Then he, he also gets a matchup boost against the Bengals, uh, Cincinnati 27th and run defense DVOA on the season. They're 24th over the last five weeks. So haven't really improved. Um, so it, it's a good matchup for Ty Chandler. And I do think you're probably going to get, you know, 15 or so touches out of him. Yeah, I think Chandler should be picked up in pretty much all leagues. I think he's fine to use this week. I would be careful not to overrate him because you you mentioned yards per carry. He's certainly been better there. He's been worse than Madison in both yards after contact per attempt and missed tackles forced per attempt. That puts him way behind Madison in elusive rating. So Ty Chandler's just been okay when he's gotten the chance to get the ball. And I think one other thing that's easy to think when you look at Ty Chandler this week is that, oh, Madison's out. All of it's going to Chandler. Maybe, you know, maybe he gets more than Madison, but I would also expect that Kenny Nwangwu will be involved to some degree. I would guess that once Madison is deactivated, Miles Gaskin would come up from the practice squad. So, I mean, I don't think that we're going to get 90% carries for Ty Chandler. It's a possibility, um, but I wouldn't plan as though that's definitely the case. Yeah, I'm with you there. That's me. It's kind of the same thing with, this next guy who's a spot start option this week, Antonio Gibson, where, you know, we're assuming Brian Robinson's going to miss. He suffered the hamstring injury, you know, prior to Washington's week 14 by uh, Robinson did not practice on Wednesday. So assuming he's out, we're going to have Antonio Gibson and Chris Rodriguez in this backfield, how carries are going to be split. I, we're not sure after Robinson left that last game in week 13, Gibson and Robinson both got seven carries. Now, three of Rodriguez's carries came on the final three plays of the game with Washington down 45 to, to 15. So they were just you know, running out the clock, gave those three carries to Rodriguez. So you know, we're projecting Gibson to lead in carries. There's definitely a lot unknown there. The nice thing is we know Gibson's going to dominate the pass catching work. He's already averaging 3.7 targets per game this season, 3.1 catches, 27 receiving yards. Brad Robinson leaves behind 2.8 targets per game. And Chris Rodriguez is, is a zero in the passing game. He was a zero in the passing game in college, hasn't done anything in that department this season. So like, I think Gibson, worst case, you're going to get, you know, four plus targets out of him this weekend. And then there is a chance that he gets, you know, 10, 12, even like 15 carries. So I, I think, especially in PPR leagues, um, you know, Gibson to me is right there with Chandler as a pretty nice spot start option this week. Yeah. He's like uh unpolished Brees Hall where he's getting receiving usage. He's probably going to get disappointing rushing usage and production, you know, versus what we'd like from a lead back, but there's upside there. I think one other factor working in Gibson's favor here potentially is the Vegas projection for this game. Washington is implied for 22 points, which is significantly more than the Vikings. And this game is at 50 and a half in game total, whereas Vikings Bengals is 40 and a half. So I wonder, we have Gibson right behind Ty Chandler right now. And obviously, you know, some of this depends on that assumption that you mentioned that Brian Robinson's not going to play. So we'll certainly be watching to make sure that that's the case. And if he does play, then, you know, this all changes. I wonder though, if the game setting is enough to make Gibson a better play Now you know, that plus him actually being a proven receiver out of the backfield in his career versus Chandler, not having given us a whole lot to go on yet. I wonder if that makes Gibson a better play just, you know, between those two guys this week. I feel safer about Chandler's rushing volume than I do Gibson, not to talk up Chris Rodriguez too much, but there's no Chris Rodriguez in Minnesota where I think, you know, has a chance to, to lead the Vikings and carries. I think there's a chance Chris Rodriguez leads Washington and carries, especially, you know, this team that's, that's dead. They have nothing to play for. They have this 
this rookie. Maybe they want to see what he can do, you know, as a lead ball carrier. I'm also spooked off by Washington a little bit, just based on what they put on the field in that last game against Miami. You know, that was a game we were all excited about. We thought Washington would at least keep it competitive and throw it plenty, but they kind of just threw in the towel in the second half and like ran out the clock. So I'm a little, we're at the point of the season where we got to worry about motivation for these teams. And I'm, you know, that's a bit of a concern with me with Washington, whereas, you know, Minnesota is still fighting for a playoff spot. That is fair. Minnesota is still looking for its Chris Rodriguez. Any other guys lower in the running back rankings that look like surprise, you know, potential surprises this week? I think one that I have that's not necessarily surprising, but somebody that you could play higher than we rank him is Chuba Hubbard. And primarily because he had 25 and 23 carries the past two yep. weeks, despite the Panthers losing and those coming since Frank Reich has been fired. So it certainly looks like the coaching change has unlocked Chuba Hubbard's rushing usage at least. Yeah, th this new coaching staff has wanted Bryce Young to throw as little as possible, it looks like. Um, Carolina has a 49% run rate the last two weeks, a 56% run rate on neutral snaps. So you know, that's what's helping Chuba Hubbard get all these carries. The concern with Hubbard is he has just two targets over the past two weeks. His routes, though, did climb 26% in that first game without Frank Reich to 53% last time out. So if he continues to run routes at that um, you know, type of level, he has potentially you know, get a handful of targets. Kind of a middling matchup for, for Hubbard this week against Atlanta there. 10th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Going to be an ugly game. Super low scoring, not a ton of ceiling with Chuba Hubbard. But I like I do think he's going to get his 15-plus carries and he has a chance to get 20 again on Sunday. The matchup numbers for the Falcons are, are kind of funny because they've faced the 12th most running back carries. They are 12th in rush DVOA, which is, you know, fine. It's, it's obviously on the positive side and better than they've been in the past. But the biggest thing is they've allowed zero running back rushing touchdowns. And I mean... I'm sure there's some skill in that, but there's also a ton of luck in not allowing any running back rushing scores for the year. So it's not a positive matchup, but I also think it ends up being one that's that's really not scary. Yep, agreed. Any other surprise or sneaky running backs down there? No, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, Zeke Elliott is a must-start. Um, you know, we can give him a mention, but the type of workload he got last week, you're starting Zeke Elliott over a, a lot of guys that we, we didn't think you'd be starting him over uh, two weeks ago. I think if you're really scraping and you're like, yeah, I wish I had Zeke Elliott. Deontay Foreman is somebody who could be sneaky this week, led the Chicago backfield last week. The Browns are down their best interior run defender, defensive tackle Maurice Hurst. They've also come off three straight week run D performances before last week's against Jacksonville. So it's been a softer run defense. I think I would try Deontay Foreman this week over Clyde Edwards E. Lair, probably even over an active Aaron Jones based on the injuries that he's had recently, you know, among guys that are ahead of Foreman in our rankings. And, you know, just for context, Deontay Foreman's in RB3 territory. So I'm not saying here's a sneaky RB15. Yeah. Are you calling me out for the Zeke uh, mention there? <laughs> <laughs> Cleveland was first in run defense DVOA over the first nine weeks of the season. They are 19th over the last five weeks. And I think those injuries you mentioned have at least a bit to do with that. So it's, it's not a, it's not as bad a matchup for Foreman as you know, the, the season long numbers would, would uh, suggest. What about wide receiver? Who's in the non-obvious start category among wideouts? I like both of the Packers top two wide receivers this week, assuming Christian Watson's out, which it looks like he's going to be again. Um, you know, Jaden Reed would be the first guy in for me for sure. Um, 10 targets and four carries last week for Jaden Reed. He's been mixing in for like two or three carries a game. But what do we say? Midwest Debo Samuel at this point, he's kind of getting similar usage, a lot of short range targets that are high percentage. You know, the yards per catch is going to be low, but the catch rate is high and then the carries as well. Um, the Bucks are 30th and adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. And, and I do think Romeo Dobbs is in play too, just because he's going to be out there for basically every pass play in a plus matchup. 
I'm looking forward to drafting Jaden Reed and passing on Christian Watson an early best ball for 2024. <laughs> I've already drafted Jaden Reed this week on a couple of DFS tournament teams. Odell Beckham is another guy that I would throw into this category. Probably the lowest ranked guy that I'm slightly excited about. I know that he's a boom bust play heading into the week. Definitely could let me down, but if you're looking in low wide receiver three territory, everybody's a boom bust play. Nobody is a lock down there. That's why they are down there. So Beckham led the Ravens in targets per route each of the past two games. He showed us the big play ability. He's got those two touchdowns from 40 plus yards away. That's not the kind of play that we can count on, but he also quietly leads the Ravens in end zone targets with eight. He's got five more of those than Zay Flowers. So he's also an option down there near the goal line, especially now that Mark Andrews is not in the picture. So I think Beckham, even though he's not the most efficient receiver, caught four of 10 targets last week, certainly has plenty of upside this week. I mean, the efficiency is because of the usage. Beckham has, over the last three weeks, Beckham has a 20.2-yard average depth of target. So a lot of these targets are coming deep downfield. He's still not playing as much as we'd like. I think he was at a 57% route rate last week. But as as you said, he's getting targeted when he's on the field. He's been targeted on 35% of his routes over his last three games. Gets a plus matchup on Sunday night against Jacksonville. They are 29th in adjusted points allowed to wide receivers. I think Tyson Campbell, one of their starting corners, is going to be out still. I know Trey Herndon was limited in Wednesday's practice off his concussion, so it looks like he'll be back. But still a good matchup for, for Beckham. And you know, the Jags have especially been bad against outside wide receivers, which is where Beckham has played 88% of his snaps this season. So even looking at, you know, Beckham versus Flowers, not that I'd necessarily start Beckham over Flowers, but, you know, based on the matchup, it is a better spot for Beckham as the outside guy. Yeah. And plenty of upside for both of those guys. Wouldn't be shocked at all if, if Beckham ended up outscoring Zay Flowers defenses for the next two weeks. Jerry, where are we starting there? There's one that I've got that we've talked about before that's still plenty available. Well, I mean, I think our top ranked defense on the week is Miami against the Jets. So if they're still available there in your top pickup, um, I'm going to guess the one you're talking about is Atlanta. Nope. Okay. Well, I think Atlanta's a good a high floor play this week, just because Carolina can't score points, right? Um, Carolina has hit 20 points twice in Bryce Young starts this season. None of those have come since week six. They're implied for just 15.5 points this week. That's the third lowest. So, you know, Atlanta's not a great defense, maybe not the highest ceiling, but like they're not going to give up many points on Sunday. So especially in leagues that, you know, skew more heavily towards, you know, awarding points for points allowed. Um, I think Atlanta is a pretty safe bet this week. Yeah, we usually are looking for upside because no defense is usually safe, but playing against Carolina is pretty <laughs> safe right now because they cannot score points. So I like that. The Rams are still just 20% <laughs> rostered in Yahoo leagues, even though we've mentioned them a couple times as a streamer to go ahead and pick up. They've got Washington this week. You mentioned the commanders just basically giving up in the second half against Miami last week. They've also continued to allow plenty of sacks, second most for the season, three plus in 12 of their 13 games and Washington's tied for the fourth most interceptions thrown 14 on the season that has helped them supply defensive touchdowns to three straight opponents. Now I'm not saying bet on a defensive touchdown, but when you're allowing sacks and throwing interceptions, you certainly increase the chance of those happening. And on top of that, Washington has scored less than 20 points in three straight games. So we talked about Carolina being a safe matchup. I wouldn't call Washington safe because we've seen them throw for yardage and score points at times this season. 
but they're not trending in the right direction. They're trending toward being a bad offense. That's more likely or at least as likely to give you sacks and turnovers as they are to score points. And the other plus on the Rams is that beyond Washington, you can also play them next week against the saints. You can play them in week 17, probably against the giants. Yeah. We, we need Washington to get, to get back to that, you know, 70% pass rate, both for the Rams defense, their upside end for, you know, that, that game just to hit its ceiling. So hopefully they do that coming out of the bye week. I, I do think Minnesota's in play this week as a spot starter too. I know we've talked about them a bit in this matchup against Cincinnati, but Minnesota has three plus sacks in four of their last six games. Now they have 10 total takeaways over that span. You know, they are one of the, one of the both, heaviest offense or defenses in the NFL. So that definitely creates upside, especially against an inexperienced starter like Jake Browning. I would prefer not to play Denver this week at Detroit, but you can watch them to see if they become available. 43% yep. rostered on Yahoo. So they might be available for you now. I wouldn't be surprised if the Detroit matchup gets them dropped more either before it or after it. After that game, though, they've got New England in Week 17. They've got the Easton Stick Chargers in Week 17. So I think Denver could really be a big help to you the final two weeks. And they've also picked up on their sack rate in recent games, which have followed the return of Baron Browning on the edge. Yeah, crazy. A defense that gave up uh, 70 points this season. We're considering, you know, starting in the final two weeks of the fantasy season. But I definitely think Denver's in play for those two games. Um, you know, Green Bay gets the Carolina matchup in Week 16. So I think, again, they're pretty high for a play. And then I'll also see if the Jets get dropped in your league with their matchup against Miami this week they get Washington in week 16 so you know they're definitely defense where I would you know be willing to, to stash two defenses on my my team if they get dropped and don't be the one in your league that drops a usable defense so that you can stash Nick Mullins or some wide receiver <laughs> that's not going to play for you unless three other guys get yes. hurt Exactly. Check the free agent finder to see if picking up one of these defenses or some other makes sense for your team. It syncs with your league scoring. It syncs with your waiver wire. So you don't have to wonder, oh, is this one available? You don't have to go check your league to see if it's available. You just go into the free agent finder and it's like, oh yeah, you have these available. Here are our numbers for them. Here are the numbers for the rest of the season for them. You decide what you want. Applies our projections to your scoring system. And again, sees who's actually available for your team. That, the team intel page, and everything else on DraftSharks.com is painstakingly programmed and updated because we want to help you win your season. 